So it's leadership training for Christ. And a lot of times when we get in a church context, we think of leadership as stuff that goes on in these walls. But as you'll see a little bit later today with, with artwork and with t-shirt designs and, and with presentations that are made, the, the, the goal is to teach our children and raise our children up to be leaders for Christ wherever they are, whatever area they are in, in their life's pursuit, in their life's voyage is to be leaders for Christ. I've got uh, this shirt. The purple shirt is one that Cooper designed. Tressa's got a red one on the Cali design. Uh, the blue one was a group shirt that several of our kids designed. And then Chad's wearing the one that's like the, the convention shirt. And so uh, that's a little bit of those today. But our hope and our intent and our prayer, as, not just as parents and as those who are working directly with these kids, but as a congregation, I hope it is to continue to encourage and to set an example for these kids uh, to be leaders for Christ in their life. Uh, because they are searching for identity. They're searching for their identity. And aren't we all? I want to let you know on May 21st, uh, we're going to be doing a, a cookout uh, end-of-the-year cookout for the teachers and faculty at Glenview Elementary. And so I would invite anybody that wants to come. You can come and just uh, be, be there and be present and have conversations with these teachers and faculty, encourage and thank them uh, as we do that. But it will be May 21st, and we'll be there from 10.30 to about 1. They've got several lunch times there. So we'll have a grill out there cooking hamburgers and hot dogs for them uh, and helping them through the line. But just encouraging them uh, and appreciating them for our relationship uh, that we've had for these last several years. We have an identity at Glenview Elementary. Summers Avenue does. Uh, an identity of folks who care. And we care because Christ first cared for us. You know, identity is a big deal. How common is identity theft? You hear a lot about that, right? Identity theft. If you haven't been victimized, when you hear the news about a, a significant data breach... If you haven't been directly affected, but you hear that come across the news or, or, or your, your friend tells you a story of ID theft woe, then you may wonder, am I next? Am I the next one whose identity is going to be stolen? Or is it something I even need to worry about? Because I've got a lot to think about, right? We've got a lot of other stuff to worry about than identity theft, right? Last year, over 17 million individuals in the United States alone were affected by identity theft amounting to over $17 billion in stolen money. Stolen money. So people pretending to be someone that they're not and stealing the identity of someone else. I wonder, why doesn't anybody ever steal someone's identity and then pay their utility bill? Why don't they ever do that? Why don't they ever steal somebody's identity and then you know, deposit a large amount of money in their bank account? Why do you never hear about that, Your Honor? Yes, I'm guilty. I stole their identity, but it's because I wanted to give them a million dollars. You never hear that, right? We don't hear that. There are six major categories that are assigned to identity theft when you look this stuff up. There's employment or, or tax-related ID theft, and so that's where you, you would steal, a criminal would steal somebody's social security number or you know, birth date and some of their personal information, and, and they would go in and maybe they would apply for a job or something like that. There's credit card fraud. We hear a lot about that where somebody lifts their, their credit card number or their social security number, some way to access their account or access that card so that they can make some purchases, fraudulent purchases. you got phone or utilities fraud, not paying off a bill, but instead opening an account 
in someone else's name. And so you've got a false, you know, you open a wireless phone or utility account falsely. You've got bank fraud where the fraudster will use your personal information and they'll, they'll either take over an existing financial account or they'll open a whole new one uh, in that person's name. There's loan or lease fraud. And so you may go and you may, uh, a borrower or, or a leasee, assume someone else's name or information so that they can take out a loan or a lease. So we got that going on. There's government documents and benefits fraud, and so Social Security fraud and Medicaid fraud, things like that. So why am I even talking about this? It's because we get so mad. We get so irritated and irate when someone else disgracefully takes over the identity or assumes the identity, fraudulently imposes on someone else's identity in order to benefit themselves. And yet, are we taking advantage of Jesus to benefit ourselves? And so are we any better than the identity thief when we assume the identity of Christian for our own benefit? Or when, to make us look good, maybe in front of someone else, maybe to, to bail us out of some miserable circumstance, but then we quickly dispose of that, that ID, identification, so that we can move on after we're in the clear. I bet Jesus loved being Jesus when He was being celebrated, when He was being lauded, you know, as He, he would heal somebody and, 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 and those physically or spiritually healed would lift Him up and praise Him. I bet He loved being Jesus then. But I wonder if he loved being Jesus as much when he was rejected by his own family. I wonder how much he loved being Jesus, the man, when he was run out of his own hometown, constantly on the move, or when he was beaten, or when he was killed. I wonder how much he loved being Jesus then. I don't know how much he loved being Jesus, but I do read about how much he loved being the Son of God. He loved being the Son of God. He loved bringing glory to God, especially through His obedience. So what do we read earlier? In John chapter 15 and verse 9, As the Father has loved Me, Jesus says, so have I loved you. Now remain in My love. If you keep My commands, you will remain in My love, just as I have kept My Father's commands and remain in His love. So love, as we've already been reminded, it's action. Love is proven. So it's not just something you feel, but it's something you feel something has been done. It's an action. And Jesus preached and He guided His, His disciples to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. He preached that. He taught that. He spoke that. But He also proved that. He proved it on His knees with a wash basin. And He proved it on a hill called Calvary. And so Jesus didn't just assume the identity of the Son of God. He proved He was the Son of God. And then He invites us to be sons and daughters of God too. To share His identity. Not as thieves. Not as identity thieves. And while we receive this identity legitimately, we must also expect to be treated as He was. Because of His identity. And so... John 15, continuing in verse 20. Remember what I told you, Jesus says, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they obeyed my word, they will obey yours too. He says, look, the people that love me are going to love you. 
The people who hate me are going to hate you. Because we're the same. You are in me and I am in you. He says, but they will do all these things to you on account of my name. Don't take it personally. Because they do not know the one who sent me. And it's easy. It's easy for us to claim Christ. We're in a room like this together. And it should be. This should be the easiest place in the world for us to claim to be Christian. But in order to legitimize our new identity in Christ, we have to put on the characteristics of Christ when it's not easy. And so love, we talk about love. Love for a citizen of the kingdom of God is to be extended to others without prejudice. And so when we accept the identity of Christ, we embrace the characteristics of Christ, the Spirit of Christ. And so the kingdom of selfishness and self-interest, it operates under a different set of rules. We can find ourselves looking at the wrong list sometimes. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 43, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Hey, you hear that every day out there, right? You hear it at work, hear it on the news, maybe hear it in the house. Love the people that love you and stick it to the ones who don't. Jesus says, you've heard that. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be like your Father. You may have the identity of your Father in heaven since He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Even tax collectors do the same, don't they? And if you only greet your brothers, what more do you do? Even the Gentiles do the same, don't they? So then, be perfect or be complete as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's not perfect as in don't ever mess up. It's whole. It's complete. We talked about shalom in the past. It's that, that wholeness, that wellness, that altogetherness. We need all of God's identity. And there's no greater love, no greater love than to forsake your own personal interest, your personal pleasure, your personal comfort for the sake and the benefit of someone else. Who else? Who else are we talking about? Well, who else did Jesus do this for? Who else did Jesus give it up for? Who did Jesus love? Who did Jesus die for? And the identity theft benefits one person by taking advantage of another. And may we in Christ never be found taking advantage of the grace and the mercy and the love of Christ while being found ourselves stingy of the same grace and mercy and love towards others. John 15 is hard for us. It's hard for us because we, we may not find ourselves, most likely, with an opportunity to prove our love by physically dying for somebody else. So it makes it hard, right? But in order to be people who love like Christ, in order to be people with the identity of Christ, we all must die to something. There's something we must die to. Selfishness, laziness. We've got to die to our own regretful past. We've got to die to maybe even how we feel about someone else. We've got to die to that feeling. So this morning, what change do you need to make? 
in order to be more like Christ, to have the identity of Christ. That's who we're called to be. To be in Christ is to be like Christ. And He made that possible. He made that possible through coming to this earth, giving up the glories of heaven and putting on this lowly flesh, this flesh we wrestle with every day, trying to get one leg out of the bed, trying to bend over to tie our shoes, trying to get our arm through a shirt sleeve, trying to muster up the, just the willpower to start a day or to go to work again. He made it possible. He did that through His life, through His death, and through His resurrection. We celebrated earlier as we came around the table. And He did that all, not for His benefit, but for ours. He did it for us so that we could have His identity. We could have the Spirit of Christ in us and through us. So this morning, whose identity are you wearing? Do you truly believe that there is no greater love than to lay down your life for someone else. Because until we get to that point, we are not truly Christ-like. Oh, we may be striving to be. But we've got to die to ourselves in order to live for Christ. This morning as we're gathered together, if we can pray for you and your struggles, your challenges to be more Christ-like, if we can celebrate with your decision to be baptized into Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of God's Spirit so that you can receive the identity of Christ, to be a child of God, live a new life with your feet in this world while your eyes are set on eternity. We can celebrate with you in that decision today. The water is ready. What's keeping you from making that choice? So as we stand and sing this song, if we can help you in any way, will you come this morning?